Welcome to Buy, Hold, Sell, your source for Wall Street knowledge and valuable guidance. I'm Buy, Hold, Sell trader and panelist Todd Schoenberger, joined by fellow trader Tobin Smith and host Veronica Dudo. On this week's show, we are joined by Wall Street experts Mitch Rochelle and Achilles Larea, where the group discusses the sizzling hot inflation report and crushing impact on stocks. The panel also gets into the intent of J.P. Morgan's recent bullish call for stocks, the terrible inventory issues facing Target, and the overwhelming cost of raising a child in America. So get yourself ready for what will be a memorable buy-hold-sell. Double digits, gas, energy, and food costs continue to rise at double-digit annual rates and don't appear to be coming down anytime soon. Americans are feeling the squeeze like it's 1980 all over again. The Fed and White House continue to scratch their heads and wonder if anything can be done. So can it? Hi, everyone. I'm Veronica Dudo, and this is Buy, Hold, Sell. To answer that question, let's bring in the traders, Tobin Smith, Todd Schoenberger, Mitch Rochelle, and Achilles Larea. All right, Toby, you've been beating the inflation drum for weeks now. Is there any hope in sight? Well, hope is sort of a, 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 a strange thing right now is it, just because of this. Inflation, these higher prices, the ones that count are embedded in uh, your cost of living. Oil does not go down because Joe Biden makes a speech. Oil goes down <laughs> when there's less demand than there is supply. And yet we're completely inverted. There's one and a half times more demand than there is supply. So oil prices are not going down. Gasoline prices are not going down because <laughs> oil is not gasoline. Oil has to be turned into gasoline. Yeah. And at the refineries that we have not only in North America, but around the world, we're down about 24 refineries. So again, there's more uh, you know, uh, uh, demand than there is supply for refined petroleum. They're not going up. And then right. finally, in housing and in shelter, whether you're renting or you're owning, your price is not going down. And if your rent is rolling over this year, your rent's going to be up on average 18%. Um, and so that's not going down. Right. So that's literally 60% of the entire CPI is right there. So no, it is not going down, Ver Veronica. Veronica. Veronica, let me so, answer the so question Todd, for you. I mean, should there be an emergency Fed meeting this weekend? There is a huge sea of red on Wall Street. What's your assessment? Yeah, I mean, well, look, I, I was listening to Mitch on a, on a competing network, and he brought up a good point. Why aren't they meeting this weekend? I mean, why why wait a few days? Look, the this isn't a knee-jerk reaction thing. This is Main Street America having to face this every single day, every minute of the day. Food costs are up, gas costs, everything. We already know this story. So yes. what is Washington going to do about it? And all we hear is, oh, they're going to raise some interest rates. Whoop-de-doo, it does nothing. We need a better plan and we need a better leadership uh, component out of this too. Because right now you had Joe Biden actually blaming the big oil companies for this mess. It's his mess. Somebody's got to come up with a with a better solution. So, Mitch, where's the primetime hearing on inflation and the economy? Yeah. Oh, yeah, you, you're, you're certainly not going to get that. They may uh, drum up the Watergate hearings again if they have to uh, try to <laughs> boost the ratings from what they tried to do uh, last night. Here, I, I, Here's the, the absolute harsh reality. There's only so much the Fed can do 
with the tools right. that they have in their toolbox, which is raising interest rates. The problem is a supply chain problem, which needs fiscal solutions, which need cooperation between the public and private sector. And when you threaten the private sector with uh, putting yeah. oil executives in jail, when you threaten the private sector with raising taxes because they're yeah. not paying their fair share, okay, that's what happens. You need to get them to cooperate. And I think that 535 members of Congress should work this weekend. I think every Fed governor voting, yep. non-voting should work this Agreed. weekend and try to come up with a solution and not blame Putin. So Achilles, welcome. And, you know, on that note, we're hearing from the president, his first interview in a long time on Jimmy Kimmel. He's saying that the economy is growing at the, the greatest pace looking at the whole world. And of course, we know that there was a contraction for the first quarter of 1.4%. Now we're also hearing Janet Yellen coming out. She's saying she doesn't think there's going to be a recession. Is there a disconnect between what we're hearing from the administration versus what Main Street and Wall Street are actually seeing in real life? Well, Veronica, you got to take a step back at this point. What you have to do is you have to say to yourself, yeah, we saw 8.6% inflation. Uh, we're seeing the highest level since 1981. I don't think a 75 basis point uh, move by the Fed is really going to be the answer to these, the prayers of everyone out here. Really, recession fears, When if we're talking recession fears, we're talking maybe 2023, a softer landing than most people are anticipating. I, I agree that something needs to be done, but I'm not a big fan of knee-jerk reactions. It doesn't work. I don't care what anybody says. If you're going to look at this, you got to look at the consumer. What are they going to keep doing? They're going to keep spending their rent. They're going to keep buying their groceries. They're going to keep buying the gas. So even, right. yeah, it's going to hurt all the way to this point right now. It's going to hurt, but I well, believe it's a temporary measure, and I believe that we're going to see this start to kind of wane out, really meet more towards the September, October, in terms of the gasoline prices kind of leveling Achilles, off. Achilles, Achilles, supply and demand. I think what you're missing here is that these are structural issues. Oil is not priced in the United States. It's priced globally. Natural gas now is not priced in the United States. It's priced off of Europe. All of those are embedded. They can't go away, number one. Number two, what plan, what plan does the government have that ever worked to bring down inflation? <laughs> There's never been. There's never been because they don't control any of the variables. What I think people are missing is that all of these costs are embedded. They're not, they can't go down because of supply and demand imbalances. And, and, you know, the Fed can't print gas. It can't print natural gas. It can't print, you know, wheat. We have a unique situation. We've never had yeah. this type of, 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 you know, $9 trillion of stimulus that then get hit with Europe, right. you know, in World War III. It's never happened. So to expect to have... A, a, a better conclusion out of new situations is irrational. We okay. need the Fed to raise to about 5%, snuff out housing, snuff out automobile, snuff out some small businesses and get some jobs bleeding. And then we will get inflation down. You can't have so, both. There's okay, no so painless exit. Achilles, you mentioned the 75 basis points isn't going to do it. I mean, are you predicting a, a, a bigger uh, hike this uh, next week when the Fed meets? No, absolutely not. As a matter of fact, I'm looking at still a half percent uh, move. That, okay. I'm just saying that 75 percent really isn't going to make too much of a difference. And we just have to stay on top of our situation like we're doing with our clients, making sure that we're not 
being pulled in many different directions as what can happen in these type scenarios. Okay. So it's really interesting well, because I did a lot of research just looking back in 1979, heading into 1980, and exactly what that meant in terms of inflation and what we were dealing with. For a lot of millennials, including myself, trying to now understand this world we live in and what's exactly happening, does anybody want to take a stab to, to break it down? I mean, should we be looking to the past for the for the well, present since, and the since future? I was the, since, ahead, I was the, since I was the only one on Wall Street who actually was on Wall Street in 1979 <laughs> and 80, uh, here at least. Um, I, I, you know, remember, if you're going to compare something, you have to contrast and compare. So doing it quickly, we in the 70s had bigger issues than we have now. In the 70s, number one, um, we, you know, we got off the gold standard, which meant that all of a sudden we could borrow all this money. And there was, again, more, more money than there was stuff. So guess what? Prices went up. Then 29 percent of the of the workforce was unionized and the unions had cost of living adjustments, COLA. So when inflation went up six percent, their wages went up six percent. Yeah. And we had this it, we had this cycle. And then the third issue, um, you know, was that we had housing that I remember the first house I bought in 1976 in Long Beach, California, was uh, twenty eight thousand dollars. And when it got to 1981, I sold that house. For one hundred and twenty-four thousand dollars, big money. We had housing, yeah. We had, and that was real money too. That would be like two million today. So we had different situation. What we what we haven't had, and what we have to have is the resolve of like the Paul Volcker move, um, because Achilles. I don't know money you manage. We manage a lot of money, and we're up about fifty to sixty percent this year simply because <laughs> we understand what happens when inflation happens, and we also right. understand when supply demands for in, in, for in energy. They can't do anything about energy. You can't legislate and print, you know, uh, oil. All you can do is snuff the economy out, and they don't have the cojones to do it right now. But when Achilles, when we get to September, October, and you're not seeing this roll off, or maybe you're seeing one or, or two, you know, basis points. They're they're behind. They're so behind the curve that it is going to get ugly. And I think we're at S and P thirty two hundred by that time, which is another fifteen percent down. All right, gentlemen, great conversation. Thank you so much, and special thanks to our guest Achilles Larea for joining us. Coming up next on Buy Hold Sell, with gas hitting the five dollar gallon mark nationwide, is it still a good time to invest in big oil stocks? Stay tuned to find out. Buy, hold, sell, brought to you by Crosscheck Management. Hi, everyone. I'm Veronica Dudo, and welcome to Buy, Hold, Sell. If you have the Russians that are going into Ukraine, the Americans and the Germans and everyone else in Europe is going to say, hell no. If Russia doing things, you know, logically was their M.O., I'd agree with you. Yeah, Todd, why don't you get them on, on a phone call right now? Hello, you... <laughs> Have you ever found yourself scrolling through financial news and wondering, how does any of this affect me? How can I read a major headline and truly understand what impact that has on not only my portfolio, but my life? Well, our goal on the podcast Inside the Street, hosted by Wall Street analyst Sela Shifre Partners, is to provide public investors and young professionals with a deeper understanding of the mechanics that drive those major headlines. 
And what better way to dive into these mechanics than hosting Wall Street analysts themselves to discuss the newest trends in finance firsthand? Well, on our show, we bring you real perspectives from the front line. Hearing these analysts give commentary has made our listeners much more well-versed on the financial markets. This approach to discussion allows our listeners to engage in conversation with much more educated opinions and predictions. So be sure to check out our show, Inside the Street, wherever you find your podcasts. Financial News TV, just the way you like it. Fast-paced, unadulterated, in-your-face, rock-and-roll style. Join us next time on Buy, Hold, Sell Live. Oh, yeah, I'm going to remember all that. I can't even remember. Oh, God. Yeah, well, that does. I want you to, uh, oh, my God. Fast-paced, no, oh, sorry. <laughs> Take one. Fast-paced, no holds barred, in-your-face, rock and roll style. Woohoo! Let's kick some. I want you to smash that like button. <laughs> <laughs> Track, cue, dissolve. Good morning, and welcome from Big Wig Studios. From the Big Wig Media Studio. Big Wig Media's broadcast center at the Willard is the ideal headquarters to host your virtual meetings and video conferences. Kudos to our team who's running around behind the cameras. What I liked about working with Big Wig Media was you guys are the experts. Our industry pros have you covered. Let's get started. Welcome back. As gas prices continue to rise around the nation, one would think big oil companies like Exxon, Chevron, and ConocoPhillips would be great investments. Mitch, how are you positioning these stocks for your clients? You know, Veronica, I don't, I'm not adding more positions in oil and gas because I think those prices are a little frothy, certainly not selling them. Uh, the challenge is when you're sitting on cash right now, which a lot of investors are, you know, what do you do with the cash? Uh, the good news is if you're investing it for the short term, we saw the the two-year treasury break through the 3% yeah. mark. So at least you're getting a return on that. The problem is when inflation's running at eight plus percent, everything you have is losing pace to inflation. So um, I think these are really, really choppy waters uh, and it's tough to really go out in the choppy waters. You can pick some winners here and there, but I think the oil and gas prices to your point they're a little frothy, and I'm staying away from them right now. We're heading into the big summer season. A lot of trips planned. People are looking to drive. Todd, what are you? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I'm a big fan of big oil. I love all of the big oil companies, including the refineries. Valero's my favorite on that side. Uh, but you are right. You bring up the demand. Uh, you have the summer driving season. But you also look at some of the premiums that are out there. There is a war premium that can be built in. There's also a hurricane premium. We haven't seen a yeah. real, real big Cat 4, Cat 5 run into the Gulf 
past few years. By the way, so. I, I live in Florida. We don't use that word. We don't use that word. We just call <laughs> it the season. Okay. We don't I understand. <laughs> I understand. Absolutely. But when you see that and you start wondering, you see higher oil prices right now, it's all systems go for companies like an Exxon Mobil. So realistically, if you haven't added it to your portfolio yet, you probably should seriously consider it and then just hold on to it. It's really a great long-term hold. A lot of people might think of it as a utility, but realistically, it's one of those companies that's going to be around for the next 100 years. So probably want to be something you want in your portfolio. Toby, jump in here. What are you advising your clients? Well, first off, I'm not saying probably. I'm saying you should. Number two, okay. I think you, you have to look at the new business model. So companies like Pioneer uh, de uh, Developer, PXD, they, instead of taking the cash that they earn cash and then buying more real estate and buying more drilling, et cetera, they're paying dividend from, from a, a baseline of formula. So they're retaining 50% of their earnings right. and they're now paying out 50% of their dividend. That's fantastic. So we own that. Um, we own uh, Exxon because, again, as opposed to just going out and you know throwing money away here uh, and b actually being capital wise, there are there are putting money into their existing stuff, but they're also buying back about twenty billion dollars worth of your shares. Now, President Biden said that was un-American. And to that, I say, <coughs> are you kidding me? <laughs> it's capitalism. Right. <laughs> we live in a capitalist you society. Okay? Yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm choking up. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Stop my gosh. Well, let me jump Stop in here. Stop watching then. Jimmy Kimmel, yeah, all right? Thank you. Don't get the water. <laughs> but on the, on, <laughs> on, to add to that, what Toby's talking about with Exxon, he is right. Their, their money that they put back into the company has always been known. At, even when Rex Tillerson was running the company, they've always been known to, to go back into R&D. And that's great. But now you – and they also have been great with their shareholders. They didn't cut their dividends when some of the other big oil companies did. They stuck with that. They kept rewarding shareholders value. That's fantastic. It's one of those companies, though, that I would say, yes, you should definitely buy this. It's not a probably. But I'll take the adverb away. But with that, you also have to look. This stock has risen quite a bit. I mean, Mitch is right. So you start seeing that increase that's going on. Naturally, they're going to be the villain in the room right now, according to the White House. But you should be looking at that, that big entry point. Today, you had a big market sell-off. That stock was only down, what, 1.7%? I mean, yeah. only only down 1.7%, and it's already at that 52-week high range. So if you're looking for the entry point, maybe wait a little bit and then go in and then hold it for the long term. Yeah, but let me just offer one other piece here. As interest rates go up, and obviously they're going up, um, the discount rate on future earnings you know, also comes down. So um, if everything was the same, I'd agree with you, Todd. But energy companies have already been always been hit not with a premium with a discount because of the cycle we've always had the energy cycle and yeah. so you sell at the top of the cycle and you try to buy at the right. bottom i would suggest that we have a secular not a cyclical business anymore we are higher for longer because there's not enough supply if 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 we they they couldn't if exxon or chevron or any of the big guys if they spent a trillion dollars Getting new uh, wells going, we wouldn't see an ounce of that oil for a year and a half in some areas, okay. two years. All you right? know what, though? So here's, I think it's, here's it's the pushback. I think they're re-rating, yeah. Here's the pushback. I look at the big oil companies, and I think they're bulletproof. They have had to face so many challenges, especially yep. here in Washington. From a regulatory standpoint, then you start thinking about when Obama came up with the windfall profits tax. I'm sure Biden's going to do the same thing this summer. When you start seeing that the company, and even with alternative fuels, ethanol, that was a big 
big thing a few years ago. Look, and then, you know, with doing the wind turbine and all that other nonsense. At the end of the day, it's a company that's still stable. It's still there. It continues to persevere. And that's why it provides shareholder value. Then the single largest shareholder of ExxonMobil, guys, actually has the teachers union in this country. So when Washington starts saying that they're the villain, they have to remember who actually <laughs> has the most of that money there. You know what? Here, here's what's interesting. And I know we're, we're short on time and I'm with you on it. There's a secular shift. Uh, but I also feel like if you look at this over the long term, we're really at highs for the oil company stocks. And you're right. If they, Todd, if they, they survive this administration, they can survive anything. For eight years, the Obama administration was at war with the internal combustion agent yeah, uh, and right. at war with big oil. But what's happening right now is the electorate needs gasoline. The electorate needs natural gas. They need home heating oil. Yeah. And they may very well push back in the midterms. And if they can ease some of the regulations and get the bureaucrats out of the way and let these leases that have not been drilled on move forward, yeah. then there's a chance that there's another boom for oil. Yeah, but Mitch, uh, uh, you know, respectfully, th th there are 1,100 leases that are owned by all the majors that they are not drilling now. And one of the reasons why they're not drilling them is because, you know, the ESG uh, investing group has, has labeled them, you know, as uh, carbon, you know, killers, and they, they, they don't need to do it. Um, we need to have an incentive for them to drill. Now, that would be a government a thing that would be fantastic, right. but we have yes. a disincentive. We, we suppressed energy exploration for eight and a half years in a row. And guess what? ESG, the, the silly thing about this was that we're going to decarbonize, but we're not going to increase demand. We're not going to increase demand for electric and we're going to decrease Drilling. So now you have way more demand than supply, and and yet you, you we can only put a million barrels a day on if we take it out of Saudi Arabia or United Emirates. That's it. That's why Exxon is going to print money just of what they have, and other companies that pay out dividends and buy share back are good investments. But yeah, get them on a pullback. But you have to have, if you don't have 25 or 30% of your stock portfolio in energy-related complex, then, then you know, you're going to be uh, down just like the other people who said tech will never go down and yeah. Apple will never go down. Trust me, they're going down. All right, valuable insight, guys. The stock market has been taking a beating this year, but one bold bracket bank is telling investors something different. What is it? Find out after the break. On any given day in Washington, policy proposals are created, debated, and decimated by tens of thousands of people and organizations working behind the scenes. On 80 Proof Politics, a guest and I will visit a D.C. watering hole and distill the art of advocacy by pulling back the curtain a bit and taking a look at how they play their part in the sausage factory we call our federal government. So if you're at all interested in how the sausage is made, pull up a chair, grab a drink, and join us. After all, what goes better with sausage than a tall, cold one? Hey friends, investor friends, this is Tobin Smith. I just show this if you may remember me from my like 25 years on business TV, but it's not about me, brothers and sisters. It is about this. We are about five times the average, stock average, over the last two years, but more importantly, this year, we're up about 67% in our portfolios, while the S&P is down, you know, 12%, and going deeper. And the Nasdaq's down 25%, and going deeper. Let me ask you this, are you tired of losing money? 
because right now we forecast not only a big recession in 2023, but we think we can do this again. We think it could be up again another 5, 50 to 60 percent by being in the right place, the right stocks and at the right time. That's what we're doing right now. So join us, transformityresearch.com. Get on our free newsletter, transformityresearch.com. Join us for free and stop losing money. everyone, I'm Veronica Dudo, and welcome to Buy, Hold, Sell. If you have the Russians that are going into Ukraine, the Americans and the Germans and everyone else in Europe is going to say, hell no. If Russia doing things, you know, logically was their M.O., I'd agree with you. Yeah, Todd, why don't you get them on, on a phone call right now? Hello, <laughs> you... Welcome back. JP Morgan says stocks are flashing a bullish signal. Todd, are they for real? You know what? They came out with this uh, report last or actually, I'm sorry, the other day. And they clearly had a big sell off today. So I wonder if they're right. trying to uh, pull it back. But what they were trying to say was that hedging has actually subsided on the S&P 500. They were looking at the options market and they saw the put the call options were actually uh, actually uh, pulling back. And therefore, you didn't have as much hedging. And that usually is a bullish sign. So what they were coming out with is saying, look, the S&P 500 right now, now, if you're trying to find an entry point, this could be it. And they had actually forecasted a 7% gain on the S&P 500. That was before today's market action. Yeah. So realistically, I mean, you're looking at close to a double-digit gain. And they're looking at that by the end of the year, by the way. I'm surprised that they, this didn't get a lot more play, uh, especially with the, the Wall Street uh, journalists. But it might uh, go into uh, next week as we go into the Fed meeting. But realistically, no. I, think, I don't think they're for real. I think they're out of their minds. I see this market. <laughs> It going lower. I see it going much lower, and I don't see where that's going to be turning around. It certainly isn't going to be this year. All right. Well, Toby, the volatility is real. How do you see things? Well, there's a couple of things in place. First off, the analyst who put this out, he's a, a derivatives analyst. That's what he does. He looks right. at options, et cetera. So he's looking at sort of from a different standpoint. He's not a macro guy. He's purely uh, using this as an indicator, number one. Number two, we're coming in to, believe it or not, in the next two weeks, into earnings season. And if you take the Walmarts and the Targets and, and, and the other pieces of the puzzle at the end of the first quarter numbers, um, we're, we should expect to have earnings ex estimates come down. We should expect to have companies come out and say, we're, we're going to miss our targets because of, of extra costs, because of labor costs, and because of demand suffocation. So the last thing in the world you'd want to do is follow a derivatives analyst uh, that only looks you know, at a, at a Bloomberg right. for 12 hours a day uh, and not look <laughs> at the macro implications and not looking at the earnings per share implications. Because remember, if you take the value of the stock market today and you put it against you know, normal valuations for 40 years, it's still 35% over the normal valuation. It's called the, you know, the CAPE index, C-A-P-E. 
So to say that the word, you know, there's a value, he's making a directional call. He's not making a valuation call. Right. Mitch, we always can rely on you to keep it real. How do you see things? <laughs> All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep Come it on, real. Mitch. So I spent, I, spent, I, spent real. Four, I spent 40 years talking to CFOs for a living. And one thing I know in times like this, the best thing to do is under promise and over deliver. So yes, there is yes. no in, no incentive whatsoever for their guidance to be anything but abysmal. And the guidance yep. comes at the end of the call. At the beginning of the call is the recitation of how the quarter went. There is no incentive whatsoever to have the second quarter numbers look good. Okay. The problem right. is the analysts, while they talk to CFOs and other people, they also spend a lot of time talking to investor relations people in companies. But when you talk to the CFO and you know what really goes on in that office, this second quarter from an earnings perspective is going to be awful. It oh, has to yeah. be. It has to be awful. Yep. And I just hope that the analysts on the buy side understand that th that should be baked into their thinking and the market doesn't take a nosedive. Because what I would do if I was a CFO or a CEO of a company, I'd hockey stick it and I'd make the fourth quarter look really, really good yeah. and yeah. not worry yeah. about the second and third quarter. And we saw that actually in the quarterly earnings because when the numbers came out and then you'd have these companies, most S&P 500 companies actually beat on the yeah. top line number. But when they gave the forecast for the future, it was very dismal, especially with the retailers. I mean, obviously, you know, we could talk yeah. about some of the, yeah. the big box retailers, but but we're going forward. All the everybody, every but, industry but, but seems Apple, to be struggling app, right now. But the leadership in, in the S&P 500, the Apples, the Googles, the Microsofts, right. uh, the Amazon, the Amazons of this yeah. world. OK, they were. Yeah, we killed it this quarter, but the rest <laughs> of the year is going to suck. I mean, yeah. like like. Yeah. You know what? Yeah. I, I would do the same thing. And the great business philosopher, uh, Magic Johnson, always oh, yeah. says when he's whenever he's speaking and getting paid a gazoodle dollars to speak publicly, he always says under promise and over deliver. That is the key to success. So yeah, well, just ex expect a washout. So keeping the, the bar low. Quarter. Keep the bar low. Well, yeah. 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 yeah speaking of bar low. Oh, sorry. Uh, the uh, the bigger issue, uh, you know, for a CFO right now is, remember, the S&P 500 are the best managed companies in the world. If anybody can manage through, you know, this sort of uh, craziness of supply chains and higher costs and wage and so on, they can do it. And they're really good at managing expectations, and they have to do that. What I'm more worried about is the smaller companies that don't have the really sophisticated CFOs, et cetera. Um, and, and maybe they're younger, and they never managed through uh, uh, inflation. Uh, you know, the average age of the S&P 500 CFO is about 56. The average age of the, you know, the Russell 2000 going down is about 45. They've never been through a right. recession. Um, and, and they've never been through a... Uh, you know, inflation of, of, of this type of, you know, the, because the, the inflation genie, as I keep saying, is out of the bottle. He's doing a, you know, a pirouette and he's doing backflips. He's not going back in that. He's not going back in that bottle. So so all these guys who um, remember, they're going to be taking charges off for stuff that they spent last year. Like they hired all these people and gave them five thousand dollar bonuses. And so, right. well, they got to expense that stuff now because they're firing those people. Right. Yeah. So so there's there's a, a significant amount of write downs that are going to hit these numbers. And that's sort of getting into the weeds. But to, uh, to Mitch's point, I've talked to a lot of CFOs over my lifetime as well. And, you know, they are conservative dudes. They are not wild and crazy people. Um, they would rather 
keep the, you know, the, the numbers low. It's the CEOs who have now sort of got some religion and are yeah. starting to say, uh, remember when I said that everything was rosy? Well, you know, it's not. Well, um, and, 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 and the question is, is that priced into the stock market or not? That's my point. Well, and and yeah. our earnings we're estimates gonna, we're gonna, are yeah, down we're gonna, 15%. We're going to find out in a couple of weeks when yeah. it's uh, second quarter earnings season. That's for sure. Very right. true. All right. right great that. conversation, gentlemen. This week delivered more negative news about Target and its massive inventory issues. But even with the stock down 34% this year, the company made a surprise announcement that has many wondering why now? What was it? Stay with us to find out after the break. Hi, my name is Sarah, and I want to tell you about my podcast called Can I Offer You Some Feedback? I'm a business consultant and executive coach with over 20 years experience in change management, leadership development, and naturally providing feedback to high performers. My podcast is for those of you who have a complicated relationship with feedback, whether giving, receiving, avoiding or seeking. Feedback is essential for our development. In each episode, you'll hear from real people across industries with their ideas, perspectives, and best practices on feedback. I'll also be sharing business bites with you, simple explanations of organizational tools, management techniques, and leadership philosophies that will help you and your businesses thrive. You can listen to Can I Offer You Some Feedback on your favorite podcast app or learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com. Buy, hold, sell live, brought to you by Transformity Research. Hey friends, investor friends, this is Tobin Smith. I just show this if you may remember me from my like 25 years on business TV, but it's not about me, brothers and sisters. It is about this. We are about five times the average, stock average, over the last two years, but more importantly, this year, we're up about 67% in our portfolios, while the S&P is down, you know, 12% and going deeper. And the Nasdaq's down 25% and going deeper. Let me ask you this, are you tired of losing money? Uh, because right now we forecast not only a big recession in 2023, but we think we can do this again. We think it could be up again another 5, 50 to 60% by being in the right place, the right stocks, and at the right time. That's what we're doing right now. So join us, transformityresearch.com. Get on our free newsletter transformityresearch.com. Join us for free and stop losing money. If you like Buy, Hold, Sell Live, be sure to smash the like button. Lights, cameras, connectivity to every kind of screen with six broadcast studios and experts ready to help plan the event. Big Wig Media's broadcast center at the Willard is the ideal headquarters to host your virtual meetings and video conferences. Let's get started. Welcome back. Big box retailer Target is facing an avalanche of criticism over its swelling inventory issues, leading to a dismal revenue forecast for the rest of the year. Yet the company surprised everyone with a 20% dividend rate hike. 
Toby, is this really a good time for Target to be increasing shareholder payouts? Well, and, and there's a couple of things at play here. If you if you go back over history, uh, Veronica, of, of what returns, you know, it used to be 7%. Now it's about 9.5% a year over the last 40 years. About 55% of the returns from stocks historically have been dividends. And for many years, you know, people, because stocks were just automatically going up every year, never thought about dividends. Well, guess what? Dividends now, you know, we're back to the future, as I keep saying. Uh, now dividends are important. Secondarily, you know, that's a decision they make about how can they use their extra cash. Uh, and, uh, you know, they can buy back stock, they can pay a dividend, or they can invest in more inventory. Well, we know they don't need any more inventory, <laughs> and they have enough stores. So I think this is a prudent way, because, you know, living in a capitalist society, I know it's horrible, but we, if we answer to our shareholders. I answer to my shareholders. Uh, they answer their shareholders. And so doing this, I think, makes sense in the long term. Mitch, yeah. what are your thoughts? Well, let's talk about the inventory build. Uh, we shouldn't punish them um, as a society for building yep. up on inventory because it's been so hard for the last 18 months for them to acquire inventory and they didn't want to get caught uh, without it uh, because a retailer without inventory isn't a retailer. Uh, and I agree with Toby completely. How many options do you have? They could open new stores, but they're certainly not going to do that right now because they probably can't get the workers for those new stores. Yeah. Uh, they're not going to expand their existing stores uh, because they don't need to do that. And that's ridiculously costly. So what are they going to do? They're going to invest in their business one of two ways. They're either going to give a dividend to shareholders, uh, which is the commitment that they make to shareholders when they declare a dividend that they're going to continue to do so, or they're going to buy their stock back. Um, I think they're less vilified uh, by paying a dividend than they are by buying yeah. their stock back. So, you know, listen, it's likely that they're going to have great deals on that inventory to get it off of the shelves. Some of that inventory is seasonal, so they're going to have to move it. Mm -hmm. um, and some of that inventory are staples uh, like food that aren't um, perishable. And you know what? If they end up having to lower the price of Pop-Tarts to get the Pop-Tarts off the shelf and it becomes deflationary, you know what? Go to Target and buy your Pop-Tarts, okay? Right. It's right. not hey, Mitch, a bad thing. I, Mitch, Mitch but, I was just hoping they had a, too much inventory in Scotch, but evidently they don't sell booze. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> they do in New York, actually. They sell beer. Oh, do they? Oh, cool. Yeah, they sell beer, but go, go to go to Costco for that. You'll be fine, Toby. There okay, I'm go. with you. There you go. Look, look, the thing, the ahead, thing about Dad. Target, the thing about Target is that when you look at their hourly wages, they've, they've been stuck paying out that minimum wage rate, whereas competitors like Walmart were willing to actually up their, uh, up the ante for for employees and you know mitch you are right they are they they open up new stores they're not going to be able to find people but i don't think they have enough people in their current stores right now i mean these inventory issues that they have it's not just a back of the uh of the building uh type of uh inventory mess you ever walk through a target i mean there's boxes of stuff all over the floor all over the sales floor and i that only leads me to believe that they just don't have enough employees to actually put the stuff on the shelves to try to send it out but i, I it just seems like it's but by the way, by the way, Todd, that's still better than a Ross store where the inventory is actually on the floor. If you yeah, go to a Ross store, literally, there's a pair of pants lying on the floor. Well, so I'd rather see I, it I in get a box. Brian Cornell. I get the CEO Brian Cornell wanting to up the dividend. The stock had been taking a beating. Obviously, it's now dancing with its 52-week low. But since that announcement came out, the stock has, still has been trending lower. So clearly, investors are thinking, you know what? This is a place I want to stay away from. And I think that you're going to have some type of shareholder activists out there who's going to be just start screaming.
looking for a change because even on a down day like today, Target was down, but Walmart was up. So something's got to give here. But you start you, looking at that industry. You know what, Todd, if you were a conspiracy theorist, and I don't know you well enough to know if you are, but actually Trust thinking me, about- Only about said, Toby. <laughs> <laughs> but think about it. If you pay out a special dividend or increase your dividend, uh, and you are worried about shareholder activism, you just cut them off at the pass because you got you, you got rid of that cash, which yeah. they're going to want in the form of a special dividend. So I think you're going to see more companies do this to Mitch's point, um, because really, uh, you know, well-managed companies uh, understand that shareholders, when you, you know, they'll stay around for the dividend. They'll, you know, they'll stick around. True. Target, remember, knock, you know, had two warnings. Typically, that's, yeah. you know, if, if when you have two warnings, that means stuff is out of control yeah. uh, and, and you really are scared. So this is really the only alternative. So I would put them a little bit of outlier uh, in the space um, for, you know, the fact that we bought everything we possibly can at Target. I have like 22 different plates now from Target. <laughs> I, I don't know what I'm going to do. With them. Well, look but, for but the I, big markdowns. You know, they're going to have to start but, really yeah, having serious markdowns there. And but, I mean, it's just going to get. And now I was in there uh, the other day. They actually were selling uh, TVs there and they're giving away 200, $250 gift cards if you buy a TV. I've never seen anything like it. And they're already discounted the television. So you talk about it. They're just trying to give the stuff away. They're like Joe banks right now with their ties and shirts <laughs> well a new poll came out and said nine in ten americans are looking for a deal so they're looking to maybe there start hitting those thrift stores so fantastic discussion well it's no secret that inflation is everywhere and there's one area that reached a record high this week here's a hint it's not something you can get at the pump or grocery store we'll have the answer coming up next Ooh. Buy, hold, sell, brought to you by Crosscheck Management. A news story gets shared by a friend on social media, or you catch a tweet that really makes your blood boil. But how do you separate fact from fiction? That's the premise behind Disinformation, a 10-part series from Evergreen Podcasts and Emergent Risk International coming this fall. Tune in to Disinformation wherever you get your podcast, And remember, don't believe everything you read. Hi, everyone. I'm Veronica Dudo, and welcome to Buy, Hold, Sell. If you have the Russians that are going into Ukraine, the Americans and the Germans and everyone else in Europe is going to say, hell no. If Russia doing things, you know, logically was their M.O., I'd agree with you. Yeah, Todd, why don't you get him on, on a phone call right now? Hello. You Financial news TV, just the way you like it. Fast paced, unadulterated, in your face, rock and roll style. Join us next time on Buy, Hold, Sell Live. Oh, yeah, I'm going to remember all that. I can't even remember. Oh, God. Yeah, well, that does. I want you to. Uh, oh, my God. Fast paced. No. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Take one. Fast pace, no holds barred, in your face, rock and roll style. Woohoo! Let's kick some ass. I want you to smash that like button. <laughs> <laughs> Track.
few dissolve. Good morning and welcome from Big Wig Studios. From the Big Wig Media Studio. Big Wig Media's broadcast center at the Willard is the ideal headquarters to host your virtual meetings and video conferences. Kudos to our team who's running around behind the cameras. What I liked about working with Big Wig Media was you guys are the experts. Our industry pros have you covered. Let's get started. Welcome back to Buy, Hold, Sell. This week, the USDA released a report that raising a middle-class child will cost you a record $300,000 until they turn 18. However, the higher cost could result in higher profits for companies specializing in the business of children. Mitch, what child-friendly stocks are you investing in for your clients? Well, I'll tell you, uh, when my kids just turned uh, 22, they graduated from college, for college. So let's take that. I don't even know where the hell that number came from. Congratulations. College is, three, is $300,000. So let's just let's yeah, forget right. about the USDA. Let's stick to like grading beef, okay? And, and stop <laughs> making predictions about what it costs to raise a child. But you know what? I think that if you look over the long term um, about uh, kid-friendly stocks, Talk to your kids when they're five years old yeah. and ask them about brands that they know the brand, okay? Whether it be Nike, whether it be Apple, whether it be General Mills, um, those are uh, Disney, okay? And forget about um, the the short-term things that happen with the Disney because of streaming wars or what happens when you artificially lock down the economy. Those brands that kids know, not the fad things like the Pokemons, but those brands that those kids know are so durable, so durable that they survive over the long term. And that's if you're thinking about um, putting away money for your kids, that's not necessarily the question you ask, but if you're thinking about putting away money for your kids when they're born to pay that ridiculous amount of money to put them through college uh, when they graduate from high school, if you invest in things that they know, I guarantee uh, that those are the companies that will probably perform well over their lifetime. So iconic brands with major name recognition. All that right, kids un- that kids here. understand. That kids understand. That's part of the sure. test. I I've never heard an investment advisor say I guarantee Mitch, so I'd be careful there. Um, the <laughs> uh, other, yeah. uh, you know, yeah. The the other issue uh, I like is I I depend on my my uh, nephews um, and uh, who are about six uh, nieces etc. And they happen to be big fans of Roblox, which is oh, essentially yeah. this, pl- this platform where you can build your own games. And they have built their, they're six friggin' years old, and they're building their own games. Their mom and dad are in the wine business, in the, you know, the grape growing business, and they have a, a, a game where you can, who picks the most grapes, you know, in a row. I mean, it's, I just, it's absolutely fabulous. Um, for a long-term standpoint, these guys have huge IP uh, advantages over other people, um, and I, you know that's the one I would. I'm, I'm going to take a shot here. I'm not. I'm not buying Disney. Okay, for the next 25 years, I want to have these kids to actually be able to pay to go uh, to uh, you know just public school for crying out public college. <laughs> so um, I I I like Roblox. They don't need to go Ivy League. We we have enough Ivy League. <laughs> they can go to university. They, they can go to uh, you know all the state schools in California if they can afford to live in At- California when they graduate. <laughs> Right. Well, that's the other one, right? (laughs) There you go. Well, the U.S. Yeah, that number with the 300,000, that's actually a record high right now. And that's thinking that these are kids growing up in in a middle class environment. And I think that does include 
the public school side. It doesn't include college. That's why it only goes to 18. Yeah. So you start looking at everything from child care, from really birth all the way up to 18. It's quite a bit. But but you are. I love that Peter Lynch approach, uh, Mitch, because that, that does make a lot of sense. Find out what they're actually using. But look at it also from the, the pre-five-year-old side. You know, Johnson & Johnson is one. I know Abbott took a hit because yeah. of the baby mm-hmm. formula. But, you know, these are companies that they're not going to go away. I mean, people are but, but I would babies. But I would include the Johnson & Johnson because one of the things they understand is Advil. Uh, or Tylenol, right. um, they, they understand Band-Aids, okay? Yeah. And and the, those are the things that they're tangible. And Toby, just to push back, when it's a company that's rich in IP that doesn't have something tangible that you can touch, that's why I like an Apple over a company that's, you know, like just a game manufacturer, uh, because yeah, but, but I, I think- I, 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 Yeah, I would share, and I just like, like to share that the actual birth rate in the United States for the last 10 years has gone down. Uh, so, you know, until if I'm year. buying stuff that's, yeah, until this year, but you know what? There was a little uh, 18 months of hang time, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. As, as we, the Gen Zs are having more kids, et cetera. But, um, you know, I, as a long term, you know, we're talking 18 years, the uh, birth rate is not going up. Number two, uh, 10,000 people turn either 65 or 70 years old every day until. 2031. So the demographics are not really good for, you know, uh, increase in babies. I can see if they're going to raise the prices. Maybe that, maybe that's the answer. But their demand is going down. Yeah. The amount of babies is going down. And you know, we don't allow any immigration in the United States anymore. So that's where the net uh, new people have come from over the last 20 years. And then but I also what- I also look at what, you know, even with the athletic side, you know, these kids now, I mean, the parents are spending so much money on the You on mean the like you, ath- Todd? Yes, just like me. <laughs> I, was like gonna, you? I was going to lead into that, actually. I mean, you have this monster <laughs> lacrosse tournament in Baltimore, and I'm thinking every parent there is thinking their kid's going to be, you know, going to the next D1, D1 powerhouse, and they're He's spending go a yeah. amount of money. Yeah. So if they're not going to a place like a lacrosse unlimited for the sport of lacrosse, they're probably going to Dick. And that's right. one of those companies, if you're looking for a quick bump, yeah, that could be. I mean, I know the, everything in the uh, with the broader averages is dropping, but if you could find that entry point, that would be one company you might, might want to focus on. But right. I'll say, oh, go ahead. Go for, I'll say this real quickly about a company like Nike. There may be less kids buying Nikes, but I'll tell you something. Yeah. There are people in their 60s like me that are sneakerheads that will pay ridiculous amount of monies for sneakers. So you never know. You I never so know. knew you were a sneakerhead, Mitch. I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Awesome talk, guys. Coming up, it's time to make some money. Greetings from Evergreen Podcasts. We're rolling out a listener survey, and we want to hear from you. The information in the survey will help us gather statistics and in turn make our shows more appealing to advertisers. I know most people don't like ads, but this is one of the only ways our shows make money and help keep their lights on. We promise it will only take a few minutes, but the impact on our podcasts will be tremendous. As a token of our appreciation, we'll randomly select one lucky participant each month to win an exclusive merchandise package from Evergreen Podcasts. Head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show. Hey friends, investor friends, this is Tobin Smith. I just show this to you may remember me from my like 25 years on business TV, but it's not about me, brothers and sisters. 
it is about this. We are about five times the average, stock average, over the last two years. But more importantly, this year, we're up about 67% in our portfolios, while the S&P is down, you know, 12% and going deeper. And the Nasdaq's down 25% and going deeper. Let me ask you this, are you tired of losing money? Uh, because right now, we forecast not only a big recession in 2023, but we think we can do this again. We think it could be up again another 5 50 to 60% by being in the right place, the right stocks, and at the right time. That's what we're doing right now. So join us, transformityresearch.com. Get on our free newsletter, transformityresearch.com. Join us for free and stop losing money. I'm Veronica Dudo, and welcome to Buy, Hold, Sell. If you have the Russians that are going into Ukraine, the Americans and the Germans and everyone else in Europe is going to say, hell no. If Russia doing things, you know, logically was their M.O., I'd agree with you. Yeah, Todd, why don't you get him on, on a phone call right now? Hello, <laughs> you... Predictions, let's make some money. Todd, what's your buy, hold, sell of the week? Well, my buy is uh, what we were talking about earlier today is ExxonMobil. I mean, if you're if you're looking for that entry point right now, it's dancing right at its 52-week high. Um, but there really is no bad time to invest in ExxonMobil. And even with uh, potential regulatory issues, windfall profits tax uh, narrative oh, coming out of Washington. Yeah, exactly. I think realistically, that's a company you want to hold on to. And it's just like baseball cards. Buy them, put them in the attic and Look at it 30 years later. You're going to be much better off. Huh. Uh, much better. Uh, the hold, I would say, is um, if you are already if you already own it, uh, short real estate. There's an ETF out there from ProShares. Symbol is REK. Um, it actually shorts the Dow Jones Real Estate Index right now. I think real estate stocks are going to just get pummeled. You could pick anyone you want, but if you really want that com combined um, um, effort, look at REK. And on the sell side, I got to sell Target. If you haven't sold it yet. I really don't know why you're holding it. I don't give a damn what the dividend is right now. That company isn't going anywhere. It's poorly run. Brian Cornell came out in an analyst call and he said he was surprised by the uh, inflated prices for freight uh, to get the goods out to the out to the stores. I'd stay away from that one. I'd stay far away from it, actually. Toby? All right. So uh, the leading position in our managed accounts is a ETF. It's called USOI. It's related to the price of oil. We have about $140, uh, you know, short-term valuation we think, for oil. And it's now paying a 52% dividend because wow. the way it's constructed is as oil prices go up, they get paid uh, a premium for the, the, the futures that they sell. And um, we have made, over the last two and a half years, for a silly little ETF, We've made over 270% in dividends wow. over the last hope. We, we think we're going to make another 40 to 50%. In See, terms that's a of dividend holding, hike I could get behind. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, for hold, um, I've talked about the TTT ETF. That is actually short bonds. You definitely want to hold that because bond valuations yeah. are going down as rates go up. They're yep. inverted. Um, you know, and then sell. Uh, it's not too late to sell the QQQ, which is, remember, it's the and NASDAQ 100. Old. But eight, eight stocks are 48% of that. That's Apple. That's Tesla. That's Alphabet. That's now Meta. Uh, and uh, Adobe, so um, and Microsoft. I'm sorry. So those stocks simply have to come down because their net sales versus buys for the last three weeks. There's been almost 18% more sellers of those stocks than buyers. But the buyers are sitting on their hands. So yeah. I'm, you know, we're short the QQQ, but I would definitely be selling it here. It made money for 11 and a half years in a row, and a lot of that has to come back out. Okay. Mitch, what's your buy hold sell this week? Well, I'm going to take the other side of Toby's, I mean, uh, Todd's uh, trade there on real estate. I, I actually like apartment REITs right now. Uh, I think Toby said earlier yeah, that when, when people roll out of the, uh, you know, their lease rolls over, the rent's going to go up. So I like apartment REITs. You got to pick the one you like, but I like apartment REITs. Nothing else in the REIT space. I like apartment REITs. In terms of hold, I'd hold Apple. Uh, don't panic about Apple. They are a winner. They're a well-run company, and they're going to weather this storm. And this yeah. correlation between interest rates and their and their stock price is actually wrong. And lastly, in terms yeah. of what I'd sell, I'd sell Netflix. Um, I think oh, that okay. I, I'd, I'd get rid of Netflix. Um, I think it's there's going to be consolidation in that industry at some point. Uh, and I may regret it when somebody turns around and buys them in two weeks. But the fact of the matter is, I think <laughs> on the streaming war side of things, there's just so many players. They're the first one in. So in my view, they may need to be the the, the first one out. But the so new I'm, season of wow. Stranger Things just started. So I'll watch it. I, does, I, does, I'm subscribing. Doesn't mean I have to own it. OK, <laughs> well, and we're the, still the we're catching up on Better Call Saul right now. So don't, <laughs> yeah, don't spoil exactly. that for me. <laughs> exactly. And the, the word is that they're going to make a bid for Roku, which is the ad supported player. And if uh -oh. they did buy Roku, then I would I would be a buyer of that because now they finally I would have too. the triple play. And they're finally getting after my three next door neighbors all share their Netflix subscription information <laughs> with their kids. And and they they proudly say that that's not American, Todd. Well, They're look, cheating. watch out. Buy, They're going to crack down on that. Buy, hold, sell is going live on Roku starting Friday, July 15th. So I could see the value of it right now. And why? Right oh, there yes. you go. Yes. Nice plug. Yes. Yeah. Nice plug. <laughs> All right. Well, that does it for another episode of Buy, Hold, Sell. Thanks so much for joining us this week. On behalf of Toby, Mitch, and Todd, I'm your host, Veronica Dudo. And we wish you a fun and safe weekend. See you next time. Cheers. Thank you for listening to Buy, Hold, Sell. We hope you really enjoyed yourself and return next week. Until then, please remember to subscribe to the Crosscheck Media channel on YouTube and follow us on all the social media sites. Take good care. The Jim Stroud Podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain-to-brain -brain communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now. If you want to know what's happening next, subscribe now to the Jim Stroud Podcast.